everybody, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. Today we feature Epstein Fox Performances, the new booking agency I have co-founded with my partner, Michael Fox. For more information on Michael, you can listen to Speaking of the Arts episode 68, where I featured Michael and what was then his new agency, Fox Performances. There's a great saying in the world of entrepreneurship, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. From July of 2013 to August of 2022, I was in the fast but alone category, running my previous agency. Okay, I wasn't entirely alone, and I need to give a shout out to Marie LeClaire, who helped keep things running smoothly from the moment she signed on, and whom I've had the pleasure of seeing evolve into one of the best agents I know. Along the way, one of my primary goals was always to build a bigger team. When I first met Michael Fox several years ago, I was impressed with both his knowledge of the industry and his passion and drive for helping artists succeed. To my credit, I actually tried to hire him a few times over the years. And to his credit, he kindly passed each time. (laughs) When I found out Michael started his own agency in 2020, my first thought was, yes, this just might lead to a bigger opportunity for us to finally work together. Fast forward to June of this past year when I called Michael and asked if he would consider becoming a partner with me so we could build a brand new agency and company together. Spoiler alert, he said yes, and here we are. This episode features our new team, and you will hear from Michael, myself, Marie LeClaire, and Mackenzie Whitman. We talk about the mission of Epstein Fox performances, some of the new artist projects we are excited about, how we try to offer unique experience to the artists we work with, general advice for new and established artists, and much more. I truly believe that my career in the music industry, which celebrates 15 years this October, has been leading to this moment. Everything I've tried to do before now has all been R&D, and I am really proud of our team and what we are building here. You can check out all of the great artists we are working with at efperformances.com. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. All right, welcome to Speaking of the Arts, Epstein Fox Performances, featured on Speaking of the Arts. What? <laughs> Thank you guys for doing this. Is that this. an air horn? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, no, I'm really excited that we're all talking and we're all doing a podcast episode together. Um, I'm excited for everybody who listens to this podcast to finally have a chance to hear from you guys directly and what this new agency is all about. So let's just each kind of go in turn. Marie, I'm gonna single you out and you can go first. Just kind of do a brief intro. Um, Marie, what is your role at EFP? Who are you and what do you do here? I am the East Coast booking agent. Uh, I'm coming from a background of music videography and road managing and all kinds of other stuff. I've basically done all the jobs except for playing and writing the music, Mm -hmm. um, which has come in really handy in my experience so far. Um, There were a bunch of promoters that I even already had met and known from being on the road when I started doing this job, which was really great. Um, And uh, uh, I have sort of the reputation for being maybe a little more hands-on with some of the artists. I get probably... I get a little, a little more, a little closer emotionally, maybe than sometimes than I should. It's um, a good thing. You're invested. And, uh, yes. And, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm basically, I see myself basically as a professional music fan. 
Well, and you're being modest because I would say you had to learn how to be an agent at the toughest time that this industry has ever faced during the pandemic. You basically started as an agent in the fall of 2019 and had like two months to kind of figure things out and then everything shut down. And what people should know about you is that somehow through that 12 to 18 month period, you've managed to be one of the most successful agents I personally know. And I think it- yep speaks to what you were just talking about because you genuinely you genuinely really care about the artist and want them to succeed and that's that's what i want people to know about marie leclaire <laughs> she's and a true champion for the artists yeah yeah that's something i've noticed too is that the presenters like i think that there's just an extra there's an extra step of care that you take with with our with the presenters that that our artists work with and that's huge because when those artists show up for that show, their 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 um their cups are full, you know, like they're they're yeah. they're 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 ready to give something back to the artist because of the way that you've treated them. Yeah. All right, Mackenzie, let's throw it to you. Mackenzie, introduce yourself. Who are you, and what do you do here? Uh, hey, listeners. Um, my name is Mackenzie Whitman. I am the operations manager at Epstein Fox Performances. And basically, my role is to help with contracts, issue them, collect them back. I chase people for deposits. Um, but I also uh, help with tour logistics, travel logistics. Um, I'm starting to work on advancing and um, any other assignments that may be applicable to the company. So, you know, keeping up our website and general administration duties. Um, I am aiming towards being a manager someday. An um, artist manager, right? Yes, an artist manager. So uh, some of the duties that I am doing are starting to take on kind of a managerial role. Um, but yeah, that is that is my role in the company, and I'm super excited to see where we go with this. Yeah, as we all are for sure. Mm -hmm. And I and I should also say that um, you know I work with Mackenzie a little bit at IMN, and then of course she worked with me prior to the merge, mm -hmm. and she's one of the quickest studies that I know of. I mean, she learned the software for the previous agency really quickly and has really like has really impressed me with like how quickly she's adapted to the you know our new salesforce system which i think you know all in all we're going to be building a much bigger um uh cluster of data that's going to be really really useful for us absolutely Thank yeah you. I would echo what you're saying because I've known Mackenzie for less time than Michael and I've seen in two months you've gone from learn you had learned a previous system to trying to learn a new system to now making the new system even better and that's <laughs> really awesome because it's just going to yeah. make that much better yeah absolutely all right Michael who, who are you <laughs> so um I'm Michael Fox uh I am the um the resident pep talk virtuoso of the company. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm also um, I'm also uh, the Midwest agent and one of the partners in the company. So um, so Mike and I um, uh, formed this whole thing on August. Well, we launched it on August first of 2022. 
um, we've been forming this for like a decade, I think. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, and I'll just fill in briefly then. I'm Mike Epstein and I am the West Coast agent. And um, one of the things that's been fun these last few weeks, because we're doing this, the end of September has been some of these conferences that were away from the pandemic and now are back doing these with Michael and knowing that we had the full support of Mackenzie and Marie behind us while we were at these was just really validating as to why we wanted to form this company in the first place. And yeah, I think if there's one thing I want people to know about it, um, aside from the fact that we have an incredible roster of artists that we're, that we really love, uh, it's the team that we've built and that we see this as the starting for something much bigger. And that's been the most exciting thing is just working with the three of you these last few months now to get this company off the ground has been awesome. So it's been, it's been really exciting. Um, so why don't we use some of our time here together to share with folks just some of the things that we're working on uh, as a company so they kind of have an idea of what to expect. Um, I posed a few questions to the group before we started recording and just want to throw some of them out there. Um, let's kind of start with just how we're approaching this 23-24 booking season. Some of the things that we're doing with our artists, um, maybe we could use it as an opportunity to even highlight some of the programs that we're pushing. Um, if you guys think that's appropriate, I could start. Yeah, by, yeah I could start by talking about um, a couple things that are really exciting. Uh, one is in no particular order. I, I want to give a shout out to the group King's Return that we're working with. I was just telling somebody about them. You know, it's funny because I've always I've I, I generally subscribe to what we have on our website. There's two kinds of music, good music and everything else. And, you know, that's regardless of genre. But for whatever reason, personally, my preference was never for vocal music or acapella groups. I just, you know, I guess because I'm an instrumentalist uh, as a drummer whatever, I never really got into it. But when I first heard these guys, it really did stop me in my tracks. And I thought, oh my God, this is incredible. So King's Return is a vocal group based outside of Dallas. And uh, what I want everybody to know about them, aside from the fact that they just put out a brand new album, which is getting a lot of no um, notice. Uh, Marie shared with the team this morning, it debuted at number six on the iTunes R&B soul chart. Um, wow. Yeah. King's Return will be opening for Jay Leno next year. And I hope that's just the start of a lot, a lot more to come for them because these guys are so deserving and they're so great to work with. So yeah. for everybody listening, check out King's Return on the EFP website. want to chime in with uh, something else that we got going on? Uh, so I am particularly excited about um, all of the momentum that we have with some with our chamber music artists. Me too. Um, what's what's really beautiful is kind of the timing that we're at specifically in like quote unquote classical music as a genre, um, which, you know, it's no coincidence that a really big part of that, a really big cultural inflection point is, you know, fire shut up in my bones, the, the opera that Terrence Blanchard 
uh, composed and then remounted for a big um, production at the Metropolitan Opera in September of 2021. Um, and we sold 30,000 tickets over eight nights mm -hmm. to that and has awesome. um, a quarter of a million people have watched the high, the HD stream, which again is like one of the highest um, uh, uh, in most watched streams from the Met. Um, but I feel like this, this, this sort of cultural flashpoint has led to this idea that 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 uh, classical music is for everyone, and it's also something that is an is a living art form that needs that constantly needs to be nurtured and supported, and 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 it needs really great artists to be applying their highest level of innovation. So when you look at the programs that Turtle Island and Public Quartet and um, Eighth Blackbird and Sybarite Five and um, uh, um, Ethel. My, Ethel, Ethel are, are are all touring. And even if even if you look at some of the folk artists, like what Maeve Gilchrist or, or Jeremy Kittle are doing, um, there's this there's this through line of this being this this sort of revolution that we're sort of at the center of as a, as an agency. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a this is a thing that whenever I think about it, it kind of gives me pause and like is very humbling because this is something that I've wanted since I started to do to do this work. I've wanted to to be a champion of this genre and really put my shoulder behind. I would just chime in too that one of the most exciting things for me for the merger has been learning about these programs and this this revolution as you describe it that's taking place within chamber music and yeah. um and getting to see firsthand what these artists are doing and the programs they're creating um has been really really exciting for me so yeah I'm really excited to see how far we can take it with these guys yeah, for me too, because also like I think probably out of the out of the group of us, I am the least knowledgeable about classical music. So but it's it, which in some ways has made it even more fun learning about all these projects and listening to all of them and hearing hearing just how different they all are from one another. Right. Um, which has been really fun. And that, you know, a lot of this programming is not like this is a lot of this stuff is really fun music it's not yeah what you think of as you might associate as like really buttoned down serious classical music you know it's very easy when you hear the word classical to associate it with certain things but mm -hmm. these are really exciting projects yeah yeah and 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 i think also each each artist i i also forgot to remember or for to mention uh, duba uh jo right. joseph conyers quintet is part of that too but i think I, one of the things that you said yesterday when we were talking, Marie, that was really amazing was, you know, these, these programs, yes, like they belong at chamber music festivals and on chamber music series, but these are also 
the kinds of programs that can go and play some of these more eclectic and sort of fun, funky, indie kind of venues, mm-hmm. um, which, which I love that. And I think that, that, that the fact that you've picked that, you've picked up on that after, you know, working with a lot of these artists for like six weeks has been great. So. Well, yeah, well, I, I've told you guys, I have the most interesting Spotify playlist <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> because it's such a combination of different styles and, and of music. Um, but, um, and I would say another thing that I have been really excited about, especially going into booking next season, is all of the progress that Emmett Cohen has made over the last few years. Oh, yeah. Um, because one thing that's, you know, there are roster our newly merged roster is diverse in a lot of ways, which is really great. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of those ways is simply the stage of their career. Each of these artists are right. Emmett is sort of the perfect example of someone who was already sort of on the rise pre pandemic and magically turned himself into such a popular and known figure in the jazz world over the pandemic because of his live stream and everything that he's done. I mean, and he has just worked his butt off and to see it actually pay off now mm-hmm. is so gratifying. And it feels so good to see all, you know, it, it feels good for us because we get to work with him and it's really fun being like, yeah, I work with Emmett Cohen, you know, but it's yeah. also just really nice to see someone who is of course, super talented, but who was also just really, really hustled. And now that like he has really earned all of the recognition he's getting at this point. And then, and, and it's become really obvious, especially over this summer, being at the different festivals with him and seeing the audience's reaction um, to, the fe- to the point where you're walking down the street with him and people keep stopping him and asking him for pictures and autographs and stuff. Yeah. That it's just really exciting to see, like I genuinely can't wait to see what happens next for him. October 17th, if you get your local news or where you get your local news, he will be featured on Good Morning America uh, on October 17th. And we'll definitely send out some more information about that. But that's just in line with what you were sharing, Marie, about how he's taking off and getting notoriety. And and the reason we should say he's going to be featured on that show is because Live from Emmett's Place is the most watched jazz show online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, which really cool. which is good for it's good for Emmett and it's good for us, but I think it's also good for the art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when you have somebody that's that committed to the um, that was one of the really cool things about our our meeting with um, the guys at Purdue is they were talking a lot about his commitment to like understanding the history and the background of the art form and how that informs the, a lot of the, the 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 choices that he makes as an artist. Um, I think that acknowledgement of the tradition is a really big part of how, how jazz has evolved over the last few years, you know? Yeah. Um, so. All while um, he's, he's helping to introduce a younger audience. Um, exactly. I was just about to say that, Marie. He's, 
he's doing a great job of that. I mean, I, I introduced him to a lot of my friends and they're now fans of him. So I think that's very telling. Yeah. It's also really cool just to echo what you were saying, Maria, at these festivals, seeing a mix of ages come to ask him for a picture or an autograph. (laughs) It's a mix of older people and younger people and Mm -hmm. everybody in between. And, you know, sometimes you're working with an artist in this genre and it's kind of limited to one demographic, but he's, he, I think it, it, it just speaks to his music, his presentation, his, the experience you have from his concerts that it's, it's this wide range of audience that he's attracted, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Is there anybody else? And I feel bad that we can't mention over 30 artists right now on this call, but yeah, know that uh, we really are equally passionate about all of our artists. We yeah. definitely don't have the time. We love all of you. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that's been really kind of humongous in the last week is um, uh, the premiere of the film, The Woman King. That's right. Um, So so earlier this summer, um, you know, as Mike and I were just starting to talk about this this merger, um, Terrence Blanchard and Robin Burgess reached out to me and they were like, hey, we want to go to this, you know, we want you to come to this recording session in, in Scotland where we're going to be, um, you know, we're going to be doing a taping of the, the score for this film. And um, uh, Gina Prince, the, 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 the director was there and just getting to see her and Terrence work together um, and really like, again like take her vision and make it real um in terms of the score and like the way that this whole film kind of rolled out um Jillian and I my wife and I went and watched the saw the film the opening day and even in our little theater in Newport Rhode Island there's like this electricity in the room that's awesome and and it really does feel similar to the Met in Met this is a you know, this is a this is a a a showcase of black excellence, mm-hmm. and you get to see these artists like that are p- playing these roles. That I mean, you know, Viola Davis is like this is this is what I've been working my whole career for. This is this is the role of my my lifetime, and I feel like that's the way a lot of the people involved in this film feel. Um, and you can sense it. You can sense it when you're around people that have seen the film or are talking about it. There's a there's a there's a certain amount of momentum around. That's awesome. I I don't remember what the highlight of the article was, but it was about Woman King just recently in the New York Times that it basically broke all box office expectations and oh yeah, just did extremely well. And um, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I guess there's one other project I would mention um, uh, for presenters listening that I'm excited about for next year, which is The Sound of Black Music, because oh, yeah. it's yeah. something that as I've become more familiar with what it is and had many booking conversations about it, um, it's something I'm really excited to see on the road. So, uh, you know, the short of it is, is it's the uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein Sound of Music redone in the uh, Afro gospel um, R&B soul lens. It's being produced by the same team that did Harlem 100 and premiered at the Fisher Center um, in New York 
last summer and it was it, from just one show there was a reviewer from the New York Times who said it was the highlight of uh, the entire year for theater that he had seen. And the other thing to keep in mind is that one show, that was the premiere show, wasn't it? Like that was the first. Yeah, show. yeah, that yeah. was it. So it's not like this has been workshops for six months. They did the show and it was that good. So this is something we're booking for next season. And we're really excited to get out there and um, uh, have people see it because it's it's pretty unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and these two guys that we're working with, um, Michael Muenzo and John Ogasparo, are like, I think, pioneers in the way that they're really they're really nurturing people and the way that they're they're approaching these ideas of like you know challenging racial stereotypes or barriers between between races is really mm -hmm. I think really thoughtful but it is also like um I think it's done in a way that's going to really build a lasting and sustainable new pathway mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely um I don't want to take up too much of our time with uh, all these questions that I have, but I did want to get to a couple other ones just to shift topics while we're all together. Um, and I'm going to just throw some of these out there and anybody, I'll, any one of you can jump in and answer some of them. So some of the other questions I came up with for our conversation included things like, what do we as an agency feel the role and purpose of a booking agency today is? given this climate that we're in, we're not out of the pandemic. We specialize primarily in the world of fine arts. Some of the things we've seen happen to the fine arts audience because of COVID that were already trends happening pre-COVID, but COVID really has exacerbated some of them. And then um, I'll throw the other question out there, which is completely different, but maybe we can touch on it, is what do we think is sound advice right now for uh, new artists, like artists that are just trying to get their feet off the ground. And what do we think is good advice now for established artists? Because as we've all seen, what worked before isn't really working now. And so I think this is an interesting opportunity for us to just sort of brainstorm out loud together on some of these things. So yeah. just to kind of recap what I just said. So yeah, what are some of the trends? Or I'm sorry, what, are, what do we think the role and purpose of a booking agency is now? And then by extension, how does the booking agency for today serve new artists and established artists? Anybody want to jump in on those? I mean, I, I will if you want me to, but I also like, I'm the one it's that talks. A, These are open-ended questions. Yeah, there's obviously yeah, no yeah. right answer. And I would well, disclose too, these are questions that the four of us are, are constantly thinking about, which is- Right. They're, a they're large at the center of how we're, we're building art. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so, something that has become more and more evident to me is that we're a critical part of the support system too. I mean, I think yes, we're the the people that are out there advocating for them and like soliciting their live music engagements and trying to build sustainable careers for all these artists. But I think I think the fact that at the end of this you know, what, what, what we're all here for 
uh, is like was perfectly articulated by Marie earlier that like we're we're all like huge fans and huge advocates of these artists and they can feel it when they talk to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a certain amount of that, that when you're having to, you know, reschedule a, a, a lag of a tour because of COVID or you're having to reconsider, you know, when you're going to be releasing an album because, um, because of the, the way that the market's fluctuating at the end of it, like if you feel like the people that are that are in your corner are really fighting for you, that's a that's a big deal, and I think that matters more now than it ever has. Yes, and I think to kind of go off of that, Michael, for advice for for artists that are, you know, maybe trying to get their foot in the door, um, developing and making sure that you trust the people that are behind you is super important and yeah um making sure that you both both of your goals kind of align um yeah is is super important because you know the more that you can connect with your team and that you believe in the same thing just the better you will be you know um absolutely so yeah, I think that's one of the things that can be tricky for new artists versus established artists is, um, the, you know, because at the end of the day, like it's still, and I, I'm, I'm assuming will always be a relationship-based business, whether it's the relationship that we have with the artist or the relationship that we have with the, uh, the presenter or the promoter. Mm -hmm. But if I think about like, okay, what are some of my best relationships and why are they better than others? And then it becomes very obvious, like, you know some of the main differences between this is this is a working this relationship is working really well and this one's work not working very well and some right. of the things are it's not that complicated i mean some of the things just boil down to the level of trust yes. like how what is the what is the level of communication how efficient is the communication are we all on the same page with what the vision is for the artist are we on the same page with what the success criteria are for the show and then i can think of lots of examples with people I would consider are some of my quote best relationships and part of that is because we've been through some really tough situations together right and i and i can vividly remember times in those situations thinking you know i would be okay if this relationship does not continue <laughs> right. because things got really tough and and we were yeah. not agreeing and it was just very frustrating but if you can get through that um then you know it's no surprise that these are the relationships that carry you through so um, I guess, how does that boil down from my perspective for advice for a new artist? Just for new artists, you know, thinking through long-term, like really long-term. Um, yes. And not not approaching a new relationship with, with an agency um, as, as one that you're, you know, you're trying on like a new pair of shoes. Like, okay, if it doesn't fit, I can take them off. That's true. You could return them. But I've observed you're going to carry the same baggage with you from agency to agency uh, that you would have just with that first one. So you're better off fixing those problems than you are just bouncing around. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, depending on the personality type of the artist, the other thing that I see is um, kind of letting perfect be the enemy of good. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, there, there are certainly like lofty goals that we have for each artist. And it's something that, that 
has been really fun to get the support of this team because I've always thought like really long-term for an artist, at least 24 months at a time. And so, you know, setting those goals initially, but then understanding that like, as, as you begin to actually put that, that plan into action, things, things, things move, you have to adapt, you have to be willing to be flexible. So I think that, that, um, that can be really hard because I think, you know, you, you want to make everything just right. And I think that there are, are certain things that you really have to dig in and make sure that they're, they're, they're successful. But I think that there are certain parts of this where you have to, you have to say, okay, well, here's the long-term plan. This is what we originally set out to do. And like, here's where we've arrived. Mm -hmm. And now this is what, you know, this is, this is the position that we're in now to, to move forward. Um, uh, but I think it goes back to what you're saying, Mike, about relationships. And that's the other big thing that I, that I say to a lot of like the younger artists, especially the ones that are maybe not quite ready to be on our roster is, you know, if you're trying to expand your booking activity beyond where you're at now, in most cases, you know, I would say 90% of your work's going to come from your core, like your core network. Mm -hmm. So the, it, and, and, and some people aren't, aren't, aren't really focused on that. And so I think even just actually go, reviewing it and looking through your own tour history and saying, okay, these are the mavens. Like that's a Malcolm Gladwell term from Tipping Point where like the mavens are the people that are going to help push your career forward or are going to help that particular thing stick. Um, and, and the people that are going to be vocally supportive of you over a long period of time. So identifying and, and doubling down on those relationships is import, more important now than ever before. Yeah, and also keeping in mind that that you need to be kind to the people that you meet on the way up because it's the same people you meet on the way down. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. that's something that I'm always amazed at how quickly people forget in this business that like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I can just overlook that person who was there for me on day one because now I'm too big for that person. Like, no, there's right. a reason why you got to where you are now and it's because of that, those people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I'm trying to think about something I could offer on the question of like, what should established artists think about? And one of the things I think about is, um, that I've observed from very successful artists in all genres is that those those artists seem to constantly be able to set bigger goals and challenges for themselves. Yeah. Whether it's they simply don't want to repeat what they've done, so they want to try something new or or whatever. But there is a clear difference between those artists who are constantly um, coming up with bigger challenges for themselves and goals for themselves than ones who just kind of have plateaued and are trying to maintain the status quo. You know, there it's like it's almost like you can see and you can feel the energy from um, the ones who are constantly challenging themselves is just as vibrant as it was from like probably day one of their quote career as it is today. Like they haven't lost that drive or that energy. It's just as fresh for them because they're yeah. not staying still. And you can feel the difference between the artists who are not doing that and the it just it's not quite as exciting. And I think that's one of the main differences is they're just it's that constant challenge. It's that constant goal of a new, you know, whatever that is that they're working towards. Um, well, yeah. And I, and I think the pandemic did a very good job of highlighting those who um, 
embrace being flexible about things and trying new things and the ones who think, well, this is how I do things and that's it. Um, because that it, that keep, that keeps you from growing. Even if you feel like oh, you're yeah. at the top of your game, you know, if you can't roll with the punches and, you know, and, and, and find ways to adapt, then you're going to be left in everyone's dust. Right. One word yeah. kind of comes to mind to me throughout this conversation is, um, open mind, keep an open oh, yeah. mind for sure. Um, I think that's really important, especially, I mean, you know, the pandemic is a perfect, perfect example of how life throws things at us and we have to adapt to it and learn how to look, look ahead of it, you know? Um, so yeah, keep, keep an open mind. That's also some of the best advice I think I could give myself as an artist representative to like not be biased, not have preconceived notions, not, mm -hmm. not try to force something um, I mean, yeah, sure, there's general things that I might have a strong opinion about, but keeping an open mind, because I truly am in, I, I have no control over the forces of the world and how that's going to affect what an artist will or will not do or who they'll meet or all those things. Mm -hmm. It's actually really good advice. I think for me, something I try to establish really early on when we start working with uh, a more established artist is to really put the focus of like the evaluation of their work on their own evaluation of their work mm. so instead of instead of saying like okay well what does the market want what does you know um uh what what do my fans want what what are my colleagues or my my peers saying I think I think shutting all that out as much as you can but really asking yourself the hard question of like is this do I love this? Mm -hmm. Like, does this, is this coming, is, is this shit coming from my soul? And I know that's hard because it's a really abstract idea, but like, I think you can never get so far into the center of who you are in your music that you can't grow closer to it. And so like, I think, I think that also goes back to a thing that like, I've, I've really harped on with you guys as we talk about the chamber music stuff, which is like, believe your and trust your own ears. Like your ears are like the most valuable tool that you have and you have to trust yourself and you have to trust your ears because that's, that's what's going to guide everything that's going to eventually lead to the more sustainable long-term success. Yeah. 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 I would kind of close this part of our discussion out by just saying something that I think is really applicable to both categories of artists that I've observed is, or that's effective, I should say, is getting, whether it's a new artist or an established artist, to get them to think about their thinking. And that can be really revealing. Like, how are you thinking about oh, yeah. this process? How are you thinking about this tour? How are you thinking about this show? How are you thinking about this recording? Whatever it may be, getting them to talk about their process, getting them to think about how they think about it is really revealing. Because from there, you oh, yeah you can highlight the things that are working. And for us as their agency, we can reinforce those things. Like, that's great. Like these things are really working. We're gonna do our best to build those up. Those are your strengths. Mm -hmm. And then getting them to talk about the things that just aren't working. A lot of times our job is to simply say, then let's move on. <laughs> like if that's not working for you, you need to realize that and and yeah. not worry about that because it's not serving you or, or anything. So I try to I try to uncover as much of that as I can regardless of the artist that I'm talking to. I think it's oh, really yeah. valuable. Yeah. 
Um, well, we've managed to cover a lot in, in a little over 30 minutes here. Is there anything you guys want to chime in on before we wrap up? <laughs> well, I, you know, so, so again, like, I, I just, I guess I want to say that, like, I, I have a lot of faith in this team and what I've really enjoyed uh, since the merger, but also since, since starting to work with Mackenzie is when I get to introduce each of you to people, because I, I do believe in each of you so much and what you've done and just the promise that you have just in our conversations and what I've seen you ac accomplish is, is, is really fun. And, and as a person that likes to see other people succeed and grow, like that's been the joy of my career really yeah well said i couldn't say it any better <laughs> yeah well cool well thank you guys for your time thanks for being on speaking of the arts it was about time we featured the new company on the platform <laughs> on the uh, podcast yeah. i mean and um so i'm looking forward with each of you however we're going to do it to highlight our artists to highlight the new roster to get our artists featured to interview them and have them talk about what they're doing and so folks can expect that in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. Cool. Well, as always, thanks Great. for listening, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.